0: Good morning everyone and welcome. Um, last week I was at home and I was scrolling through uh, Disney Plus titles. Uh, some of you have probably been doing that over the last couple of months and I was scrolling through looking for something interesting to watch and I stumbled onto a movie uh, that I saw a very long time ago and I totally forgot this movie even exists and it's called Avatar Avatar. And some of you remember Avatar because uh, when it came out, it was a blockbuster. It was a it was an incredible movie that integrated computer graphics at a at a new level. And there's sort of this dystopian new world to discover with colors. And the movie also came out in in 3D, which was pretty pretty amazing at the time. I remember uh, you could you could see Pandora come to life and all of these images flashing off the screen, and it was it was quite remarkable. And so I was like, oh, I remember that movie. And I started to watch the movie at home and there was a phrase, a little scene in the movie where uh, the girl, um, who's a resident of the planet, says to the guy, she points at him and she says, I see you. And he kind of looks around awkwardly thinking to himself, what do you mean you see me? And and you could just see the confusion in his face as he's trying to make sense of, of what this means. And, of course, as the movie goes on, you sort of get the sense that when she's saying, I see you, she's talking not about seeing his face or seeing his body, but that she's talking about seeing his soul, seeing the person that is within. And as I heard that phrase, it began to sort of fire all these memories of passages in the Scriptures. And as you go through the Bible, you know, Old Testament and New, there are just numerous, numerous references time and time again to blindness, to sight, people being in darkness and then being brought to light, the blind eyes being opened, deaf ears open. And what's amazing about all these passages in the Scripture is that they're, most of them are not actually talking about physical eyes or physical ears, although some are. Most of them are referring to the eyes of the heart and the eyes of the soul and the eyes of the spirit of a person. And, and I was just looking at these themes throughout the Bible and so today I want to talk about sight for just a few moments. And of course, uh, when we think about the word see, I see you, or when we talk about sight, uh, we usually think about perceiving something physically. We think about our eyes sort of focusing in on something and going, okay, I, I saw that person, or I saw that happen, or I saw them over there. And we think about it from the, from the angle of our eyesight. Uh, but we all understand that there are more ways to see something, uh, Last week, uh, one of my older children was helping one of my younger children with a math problem. And there was that moment during the math problem when uh, the younger child was looking at the math problem. It's like, couldn't get the concept. And some of you, some of you still can't get the concept. And, and when you get something difficult like that, and you're going, why does the X belong there, and why does it go there, and how does this formula work, and you just can't figure it out. And then you see this moment when all of a sudden the, the individual figures it out, and, and they say, ah i see and and in that moment it it's like it's like a a light's been turned on it's like there's this moment of clarity where they understand they perceive something intellectually so that's another way that we see things another way is emotionally and sometimes you can see somebody going through a difficult experience or in in a confused state or they're in a tragic state and you're saying all these nice things to try to encourage them but you haven't been where they are and then Maybe months or years down the road, you experience the same situation. And when you're there where they were, the old walk a mile in their shoes. And when you end up in their spot, you can all of a sudden understand the emotions that they were feeling. And you might say something like, ah, I see. And the lights come on because sight is not just physical. It can be emotional and intellectual. But there's another kind of sight I want to talk about today. And that is spiritual sight. And it's the kind of sight that David, the king of Israel, wanted to have. And he, he says this in Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. David was not physically blind. He was asking God to open up his heart. He was asking God to open up his, his spirit to understand the truths that are contained in the Bible. Now, he didn't have the Bible we have. Uh, David might have had the first five books of the Bible, maybe maybe Judges, Joshua, perhaps uh, a few others like some of the Chronicles and Kings and bits and pieces. But even the bits that he had, he understood that, that there was more than one dimension. He understood that even though he understood intellectually, there was a spiritual understanding that would come. And so I want to talk today about seeing in three dimensions, seeing in 3D. Some of you, the first time you went to a movie theater and you put on a pair of these glasses and you thought, well, this is weird. And then when the movie started, uh, everything just came to life and things started to pop off the screen. And it's this incredible experience where you go, how does that work? And in the same way, I believe that you and I can see in more than one dimension, we can see three dimensionally. The three dimensions I want to talk about today, number one is physical. And that doesn't need a lot of explanation. It's the things we see with our eyes and sense with our senses The second thing I want to talk about is emotional, intellectual. uh, The soul of a person, the mind, the will, the intellect, the emotions. And then the last, of course, is spiritual sight. Seeing God for who he is. Understanding his truth. Seeing and understanding his kingdom in the world. And so we want to be able to see in three dimensions. So what we're going to do today is we're going to turn to a text that's found in 2 Kings chapter 6. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, we're going to see a story about two armies and a prophet. And in this story, one of the major themes of the story is actually sight. And you're going to see people's eyes opened and eyes closed and eyes opened and eyes closed. And so we'll pick up on this theme as we read through the text. So we go to 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning in verse 8. It says, Once, when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. So Israel along the Mediterranean Sea at their northern border was the nation of Syria. And from Syria and from Damascus come down came down a large army, the Syrian army. And and across the northern border of Israel they would be doing battle back and forth. And and here's what happens um, the king of Syria says we're going to go to this point on the map, which is going to allow us, you know, a strategic advantage to invade Israel. Verse 9 says this, But the man of God sent word to the king, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. So there's a man named Elisha who's a prophet of God, and, and he, he sees stuff that nobody else knows. He sees the enemy's plan by God's power, and he's actually sharing you know tips with the king of Israel. He's like, hey, I'm going to tell you exactly where your enemy's going to be. And the king of Israel, of course, at hearing the word of the prophet, sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. So on more than one occasion, the prophet knows the enemy's plan, tells the enemy's plan to the king of Israel, and they maneuver and outmaneuver their enemy. Uh, As you can imagine, this would have been frustrating for the Syrian king, and that's what we find in the next verse. In the mind of the king of Syria, Was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? Now, this makes total logical sense. We have secret meetings with our commanders and generals, and we decide on a tactical maneuver, and the enemy always is a step ahead of us. The only explanation for this, there's a traitor in the camp. I mean, that makes so much logical sense. The king of Syria is like, I see that. That's so clear. But one of his servants steps forward in verse 12 and says this, none, my Lord, there's not a traitor here, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel tells the king the words that you speak in your bedroom. And when I saw this, I thought, oh man, there's a whole sermon right here in this idea that God sees everything. And, and this is true, God does, we have a God who sees everything, every injustice, every good deed, everything that is hidden, everything that is revealed, He sees everything. And I thought to myself as I looked at that, I thought, imagine what would happen if we lived in a world where where everyone believed that there was a righteous God who saw every single thing they did. Every word spoken about someone else behind their back, every 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 screenshot glanced at on a phone late at night, every, every word spoken that was untrue, every evil thought and intention of the heart. Can you imagine how we would live differently if we truly believed that there was a God who saw and heard everything? Moving on in verse 13, he said, Go and see where it is, that I may send and seize him. So the king of Syria says, This prophet is giving away our plans. Let's go. And let's snatch him up. Let's kill him. Let's, let's take him out of the equation and gain our advantage back. And it was told to him, the king of Syria, behold, he is in Dothan, which was a town right on the border between Syria and Israel. And uh, it says, so he sent their horses and chariots and a, let's all say this together, a great army, a great army. And they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. So you can imagine um, the servant of the prophet wakes up early in the morning. The sun's peeking through the windows. uh, Goes outside to stoke the fire, maybe make some coffee for the prophet. And when he goes outside, he looks around the city and all he sees are chariots, armed soldiers, swordsmen, archers of the Syrian army. And, As he sees this, his first response, which would be mine and yours, is fear and dread. Uh, And here's the thought. Was what he was seeing with his eyes real? Yes. Was the situation he was looking at true? Were they surrounded by an army? Yes. Were the people surrounding the city with swords and chariots their enemies? Yes. Was this a terrible situation? Yes. And what we have here is this servant looking at the situation with his natural eyes, and it's terrifying him. And here's what he says next. And the servant said, Alas, my master. You know it's bad when someone says, Alas, alas, my master. What shall we do? What like we're we're done for. We're surrounded. There's there's no way out. What will we do? And Elisha says something infuriating. He said, Do not be afraid. Think about it. You're surrounded by people who want to kill you, and someone says, don't be afraid. That's just annoying, because it doesn't make sense. And then what he says next makes even less sense. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now that sounds really good, and you can print that off, you can stick it on your fridge, you can memorize it, you can quote it, and you're like, oh yeah, there's more with us than with them. If you're ever out late at night, and you're by yourself, and there's a whole gang of young thugs all together, and you're like, okay, there's more of them than me, scared. But if you're with a hundred people, and there's two thugs, you're like, it's fine, there's more with us than with them. And so this all makes sense, but you have to imagine the servant is sitting there, and he's looking, and Elisha says, there's more with us than with them, and and he starts counting, right? Elisha, me, two. And then he looks around the city and it's like 100, 200, 300 horsemen, 400, 500, 600 chariots. Oh my God, we're all going to die. And he's looking at this situation and he sees it very clearly. And even if he wasn't good at math, he knew (laughs) Elisha's math just didn't make sense. And so Elisha, in verse 17, prays. He prays a very interesting prayer that I want to encourage you and me to be praying in the weeks and months ahead. He prays, please, Lord. Open his eyes that he may see. You say, What is Elisha talking about? The servant can see clearly. That's why he's scared. But it says in the next verse, The Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. Everybody say, He saw. Thank you. I know you're at home. I know <laughs> I can't hear you, but I want you to say, He saw. Something happened. It says, behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So all of a sudden, he could see on one dimension, the physical dimension. And intellectually, he saw the numbers and it didn't make sense. But all of a sudden, Elisha prays and everything turns into 3D. And in in just a fraction of a moment, he's all of a sudden able to see not just the physical, not just the intellectual, but he's able to see the spiritual reality. God was with him. There was an entire army of angels surrounding them and everything began to change. So what changed? What changed for the servant? I'll tell you what changed. His vision changed. What he could see. He went from seeing in one dimension to seeing in three dimensions. And for the first time, he could see not just with his physical eyes, but with his spiritual eyes. Now, I think this is true that there's great danger in one-dimensional thinking. When you see something and you perceive it only in one dimension, it's very dangerous. For example... Let's take lust. Uh, Lust, obviously, when we think of lust, we think of skin. When we think of racy commercials and movies and things like that, but but lust can be desiring anything that we don't have. It can be lust for property, for power, for position. It can be lust for uh, all kinds of things, but we'll stick with the sexual kind. How's that? As we think about lust, lust, in its very essence, is one-dimensional. It's, oh, look how hot she is. It's, Oh, that guy, he's such a hunk of burning love, you know? Look at the muscles on him, or I i want to fill in the blank. It's, it's, it's one-dimensional. It's a physical dimension. Pornography is one-dimensional, right? But love, the kind of love that God calls us to, calls the church to, is actually three-dimensional. So when you look at somebody, you're not just looking at the way they look, how pretty they are, or the form of their body, but you're looking beyond, and you're saying, I want to know your soul. I want to see you. I want to know what you're like, I want to know your story, I want to know what moves you, I want to know what your passions are, I want to feel your pain and experience joy with you. There's a depth, there's a second dimension of emotional and soul connection that happens. And then, of course, we believe that as Christians, there's a third dimension of love. And that is not only seeing you, oh, I see your body, it's beautiful, I see your soul, it's beautiful, but I now see you spiritually through the eyes of God. I see you as somebody who's loved by God created by God, called by God. And when you take these three dimensions, that that is the foundation for relationships of all kinds that last. Let's talk about racism for just a moment. We've been been talking about it the last couple of weeks in the media and in the news. You know, racism, one of the causes of racism is exactly this idea of seeing only in one dimension. So it's the idea of thinking that you could know somebody or something about the person by looking at them. by the color of the skin or by where they were born or by uh, some other external factor. And one of the ways that we break down racial barriers is actually to view somebody on more than one dimension. And so all of a sudden, you, you see somebody that doesn't look like you, but you get to know them and you realize they have passions like you have passions and they have family that they love just like you do. And you begin to learn that they have a story and a background and you begin to hear from them and know them as a person. So you, you don't just see the color of their skin, but you see the person inside. And that's the second dimension. But then when you take it a step further as Christians, again, you begin to see that person through the eyes of God, our Heavenly Father. And you're like, they are beloved of God, created in the image of God. They're my brother and my sister. We are one family. And so as a Christian, you, you can't even be racist because you're seeing every person around you in three dimensions. The physical, Sure. But you're seeing their soul, and you're seeing the spirit, and you're seeing through your eyes, through their eyes, through God's eyes. Verse 18, let's continue with the story. When the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. So Elisha says, God, open my servant's eyes so he can see in 3D, you can see the spiritual armies. And then he says, I want you to blind the intellect of these soldiers that are coming to get me so they won't recognize me. And God, of course, does that. All right. In verse 19, And Elisha said to them, This is not the way. I love this. This is not the city. Follow me, and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. Now, you can just read this in like whatever, but to me when I read this, this reminds me of Star Wars movies. This reminds me of the Jedi mind trick, which is one of my favorite parts. You know when the Jedi master and his companions are, are being stopped at a checkpoint, and they're like, who are you? And he says, we are not the people you're looking for. And they all turn to each other. They're not the people we're looking for. And, you, and then they drive off, and everyone's going, what just happened? How did that work? Jedi mind trick. And when I saw that, I'm like, man, George Lucas stole this from the Bible. Some of the best parts. Anyways, that's another, that's another thing. Anyway, we continue. Elijah says, not this way, and he led them to Samaria. Verse 20, as soon as they entered Samaria. So you can imagine Elisha, the one that this army went to get. He's walking, and they're all following him right into Samaria, which, by the way, is the capital city in the north of Israel, which would have been walled, which would have been full of soldiers. He's leading the people that came to kill him into the belly of the beast, into the midst of their enemy In Israel and they have no clue why they're blind intellectually and it says this as soon as they entered Samaria Elisha said oh Lord open the eyes so we have opening eyes we're closing eyes now we're opening eyes again that they may see and the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and behold they were in the midst of Samaria now again it was their intellect that was blinded they had no idea who he was they had no idea where he was going and all of a sudden when their eyes are opened Holy smokes, we're in the middle of our enemy's capital city. We're surrounded by our enemies. How did we get here? Can you imagine what they're thinking? How did we get here? And someone might read a story like this, and they might go, wow, this is absurd, these Bible stories. But let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever uh, been there? How many of you have ever uh, been to the place where you don't even know how you got there? I've talked to people who, after five years of alcohol, all of a sudden, something happens, and the lights come on, and they go, how did I get here? I've seen people who've damaged relationships and gone down paths. And when the lights finally come on, and they begin to see in a new dimension, they go, how did I get here? Why? It's, like, it's exactly what happened to these soldiers. Like, How did I get here financially? How did I get in this situation? How could I let this happen? What was I thinking? And of course, it's because they were blind. And so their eyes are opened and they see where they are. And here's what happens next, because this is pretty cool. Verse 21, as soon as the king of Israel saw them, so here's his, a big cohort of his enemies right in his backyard at his mercy, and he said to Elijah, my father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? Can, should I take this opportunity to get the upper hand of my enemy? Should I take this opportunity to kill them? Because if I don't, they're going to come back and kill us. In verse 22, the prophet answered, you shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Instead, he says, set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and let them go to their master. Now, always fascinates me when I read the Bible that people who are against religion, against the Bible, against Christianity will often cite passages of God's judgment in the Old Testament where he's destroying a nation or bringing judgment on people and it's like look at God he's so angry he's so vindictive he's so judgeful and no one ever quotes passages like this and the Bible is full of them old and new where we see the grace and the mercy of God extended to his enemies and and I think the reason why is because many people want to see God in one dimension they want to see him as an angry judge but if they would open their eyes they would begin to understand that he's also a loving father and he's our savior and Yes, he's the beginning and the end, but he's also my friend. And when you begin to have a three-dimensional view of God instead of a simple one-dimensional view, everything begins to change. So he says, let them go to their master, verse 23. So he prepared for them a great feast, the king did. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. And the Syrians, look at this. This is is so cool. And the Syrians, remember these two nations are at war. They're fighting, they're enemies, us against them, them against us. And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. When I see this, I see the heart of God. I see grace given to these Syrian soldiers who invaded Israel, who tried to take the prophet out. And then they find themselves at the very mercy of the prophet's words. And the prophet says, feed them take care of them, mercy, let them go. And I just wanted to make this point because I just think this story just, grace is more powerful than aggression. Grace is more powerful than aggression. I've seen this time and time again in my life and in my parenting and in different relationships that I've been in. Grace is more powerful than aggression. You know, as I, as I wrap this up, I wanted to just point to one other thing. I love these Old Testament stories that we read about these prophets because, as I've said before, these stories often foreshadow and point to the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus, the one whom the Bible is about. You know, the Bible is not about you. It's not about me. The Bible is actually about Jesus. And, and when I think about this in context, I think about, okay, here's an enemy that's coming in to destroy the prophet, the mouthpiece of God so they can have some advantage. And even though they come to destroy him, they find themselves at the mercy of that very same prophet. Their lives are on the line at his word. And you know what the prophet says? Feed them, care for them, let them go. He extends mercy to his enemies. And this is all, of course, symbolic and points to Jesus, who came to the earth, was rejected by the people he created, the people he loved. And you know, on the cross... Jesus is dying for us, and his life wasn't being taken from him. He actually says, I give up my life. And so there he is on the cross being spit on, being abused. They're gambling for his clothes beneath him. His friends and all have turned away. And on the cross, Jesus does something so powerful, because here's what I want you to understand. When Jesus was on the cross, he had the power to condemn us. And he could have cried out, Lord, judge them for their sin. Lord, avenge my death, and we'd all be done. But instead, as Christ was on the cross, he stretched out his arms and he said, Father, forgive them. Why? They know not what they do. In other words, they can't see. They don't know who I am. They don't understand what's at stake. And on the cross, he held our judgment, our lives in the balance of his hands. And he extended mercy to us. And this is the gospel. That we receive his love. We receive his forgiveness. We receive his mercy, and when we receive it, when we understand who he is, not just intellectually, like, oh, I know some verses, I know some stuff about God, when we know him personally, when we receive his love, we begin to see in three dimensions. We begin to see in an entirely new way. You know, there was a very impactful moment last week as Jason uh, shared his story and I won't get all the details right, but he, he talked about this moment where he was at the altar with his girlfriend at the time and he was going with her and he said something to the effect of there was this moment where I realized I wasn't praying this for her, I was praying it for me. And I, I just want to invite anyone who's watching this message um, online today to pray this prayer. God, would you open the eyes of my heart? When Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, his prayer in in the first chapter of Ephesians is this, that God would open the eyes of their heart, their understanding that they would see and know God, that they would understand how God sees them and loves them, and that would transform them from the inside out. And today I know there are many people watching, some of you may be skeptical about the Christian faith, some of you may be skeptical of what Jesus has done for you, but I want to remind you that grace is more powerful than aggression. And... Perhaps for many years you've been looking at God through one lens or two lenses, but there is a three-dimensional view. And I want to pray this prayer uh, with us, with you, that God would open the eyes of your heart and mine so that we might see him more, we may love him more, that we might be changed through it. So if you would, if you're at home with me, you you can pray this prayer, and you can even repeat it after me if you want. It's a simple prayer. Father in heaven, open my eyes. Let me see you. Let me understand your grace. Let me understand your mercy. Let me understand your character. Thank you that you have given your life for me, that you extended grace and mercy to me when I did not deserve it. Lord, would you help me to extend grace and mercy to those around me who do not deserve it? In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. We'll See you next week.